Okay, so this is a well-known passage. I remember when I was a child, we had a painting in our living room of Jesus walking with two men, and Jesus was pointing up, and the two men were listening intently. I never really knew what that was, but this is the scene, right? Jesus is walking with the men. I always laugh because I think my favorite line is, are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on here? And he's talking to Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're actually speaking to Jesus and you're saying, are you the only one in Jerusalem that does not know what's going on right now? I just, I find that a little humorous. But anyway, as the story says, they didn't recognize him at first because the road to Emmaus, you know, non-believers have stated, well, it was heading west and the sun was in their eyes and it may not have been Jesus. They thought it later was Jesus, but the sun was in their eyes. The road is heading west. Well, you know, this is the whole point. The whole point is Jesus is now revealing himself. He starts with a woman who, Mary Magdalene, if the apostles were going to steal the body from the grave, you heard me say, they wouldn't have used, they wouldn't have arranged for a woman to be the first witness because you needed two men to be legal witnesses. And so to have a woman be the first witness wouldn't have been their plan. Now you have two insignificant men that are walking on the road. They're not even anybody of significance, but this is who Christ appears to. It shows the character of Jesus revealing himself to the lowly. And that is why, in many ways, people don't get Christianity. It's because Christ reveals himself to the lowly, the humble of heart. And that's why so many people, like the great famous people or the, the great politicians, fail to see the message of Christianity. All right, so what happens here real quick? Normally the host would be the one who took the bread and broke it. That's normally what was done. Here, Jesus does it to really show he's master. And with pierced hands, so they could probably see it, he hands them the bread and breaks. I mean, this is our Eucharistic prayer. He handed the bread and gave it to him. And uh, what is it here? It says, uh, going on farther, he said right here, that when they were at table, he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. I mean, this is our Eucharistic prayer. This is beautiful. And it's other places in Scripture. And so basically, he hands it to them. So they broke the bread together. This is Holy Communion breaking of the bread. We worship personally and communally. This is the beauty of our Catholic faith. Well, I just go to my room. I don't need church. I don't need a four walls. I just go to my room. Yes, the scripture says that, but that's only the start. It is completed and fulfilled when we worship publicly. And this is what we do in the mass. So now the resurrection has been confirmed by two male witnesses. Remember I said you needed two male witnesses to be legal? Now you got it. And what's going on here? First, he catches their hearts on fire. This is evangelization. We can't do anything. In the Catholic Church, one of the things that we don't do well is evangelize. We catechize, we teach the faith, but here's what we have to understand. Let's follow our Lord here. He then, after he puts their hearts on fire, evangelizing, he then teaches them to make them disciples, to learn. 
That is the meaning of the word disciple, to learn. Finally, he makes them apostles by sending them out. Go, I'm sending you. That's what the word apostle means, to be sent. And so this all ties together. That's why we're Marian helpers. All right? The first thing we want to do is inflame your hearts. That's what we do with the live streams now. And hopefully when you can come here to the shrine in person, first and foremost. But on the live streams to inflame your hearts with the first Fridays, with the first Saturdays, with the prayer services, with the most and foremost, the mass and the chaplet and the rosary. So we first inflame your hearts, all right? Then we want to teach you. So the first thing is we want to evangelize to you. Inflame your hearts. Feel Jesus. That's what Brother Jason always points out. It's like we, we need to, to, to fill your heart with Jesus. Because remember, to, to evangelize is, is why you want to follow Jesus. To catechize is how to follow him. But we can't teach you how to follow him if you don't believe in why you should follow him. And so we want to inflame your heart to say, this is the one I need to follow. This is why I want to follow Jesus. Everlasting life. And it's contagious. And so when we get there, we bring these to you. We want to inflame your heart and give you that inspiration of why I'm going to follow Jesus. That's evangelization. Then to teach you, that's catechesis to teach you about scripture, to teach you about Divine Mercy Sunday. Then we send you out for those who can. Some of you can't. You're home, you're bedridden, but you know what? You have probably a more important mission, offering up your sufferings. It's what Brother Jason and I put in our book. After suicide, there's hope for you and them. It's not just about suicide. It's any tragic loss, and that suffering that we incur from any tragic loss is so powerful if we offer that back up. So the order is we evangelize first why you want to follow Jesus. Then we make disciples by teaching you. You learn. You learn how to follow Jesus, to catechize you. That's how to follow Christ. And then finally, we make you apostles where we send you out. Go, go. You have your, your orders now, your marching orders, to go and be Christ to the people. Doesn't mean you have to stand on a soapbox and preach scripture necessarily, but just by the way we live our lives. The end of the Mass in Latinism is ite misse est, go. She, the church, is being sent. Beautiful. So anyway, the task for this task of us to be able to do that to go from being evangelized ourselves to being learned ourselves as disciples and then being sent as apostles for this task, he leaves us food for the journey, the Eucharist. You know, last night I went to do an anointing for an employee's very special family member, and we got to the hospital, and this employee said, well, Father, you know, I, I know it's super busy right now. Let's go tomorrow. And she texted me when I was in doing the three o'clock holy hour in the chapel. And so I'm there and we're doing the, we normally on the three o'clock hour, we start with the chaplet. And she texts there on the holy hour. And I know some of you, what you think about me with my phone, but this is a very important connection to ministry. And so we have this message. I got this text and it said, 
grandma's not doing real well. And this grandma actually raised this employee. It's beautiful. And she said, um, you know, this is, this is something, Father, that she's not doing well. She's not going to make it too much longer. Could you come maybe tomorrow? Um, you know, and I, I just felt the inspiration to go at that moment. So I asked another employee, could you cover me for the rest of the holy hour? I feel really called to go now. So we went and we did the full rite, not just the anointing. She was unable to do confession. She was unconscious, um, not responsive. But we did um, the anointing and the apostolic pardon and viaticum. What is viaticum? The last holy communion, which surprisingly the church says is even more important than the anointing. That surprised me. I'm reading it in the right, and it says, if you only have time, do viaticum. It says it right in the right, even before anointing, if you only have a chance to do one of them. I would have thought it would have been anointing. Boy, was I woken up. It's not. And so she's laying there in her, her bed, God bless her, and she hadn't eaten or drinking in a long, long time, and her mouth was kind of just sagged open, and she was very unresponsive. And Father Kaz told me, he said, put a little drop of water with a little tiny piece of the host. And literally, so I asked permission if I could literally put, reach into her mouth with that small piece of the Eucharist. She was completely unconscious, totally non-responsive. And I put my finger in there and she took my finger and her mouth clamped down and she, she literally sucked on my finger holding it and consumed the Blessed Sacrament unbelievable and we were all just like praise God and because that's the food for the journey that's what Jesus just gave the men at Emmaus he just gave them food for the journey now I'm sending you out first I'm going to evangelize you set your hearts on fire they said are our hearts not on fire then he taught them the scriptures. This is what Moses said about me. And he taught them where he was revealed in the scriptures. So then he, he catechized them. Then finally he sent them out. That's apostles. Go. And so this is what we as Marian helpers do. Even if you can't physically go out, you, you, you're still an apostle. By praying with us, joining our live streams, being here with us. This is the whole message of God's beautiful, through the viaticum, through the receiving of Holy Communion, you have the food for the journey. And this is what leads us to Divine Mercy Sunday. And, and I invite you to join us. Friday, I will be doing a homily, and I will complete, also uh, introduce to you what you need to do for the grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. Then Friday night, is it seven or eight, Jason? Eight o'clock Friday night, please join us. We're going to have a little bit more of a festive celebration. And Brother Jason has arranged for us to just be able to have a night of a little bit more festive because we've been through solemn Lent. And then we're going to explain to you again how the graces of Divine Mercy Sunday work and what we need to do to get them. And then join us on Divine Mercy Sunday. You'll have two opportunities to join us for Mass to receive this grace. Well, first you should go to your parish, if possible, to actually receive our Lord in Holy Communion. But if not, you can join me here. I'll be celebrating the 9 a.m. Mass on Sunday, Divine Mercy Sunday. Or you can join us on EWTN later in the day, starting at noon with the pre-show and then at 1.30 the liturgy. This is amazing. So why do we have this? This grace 
of Divine Mercy Sunday is just to return us to the sacraments. It's not a magic wand. It's not a rabbit's foot. It's just to return us to the sacraments. You know, the beautiful gift of what Jesus offers on this day is the complete forgiveness of not only all sin, but all punishment. And we're going to talk about this in much more detail on Friday. And then I will lead you through at the end of the liturgy on Sunday how to, if you join me for here for the Mass, how to receive these graces. Now, the Lord is basically saying this. Normally, when we go to confession, we're forgiven of our sins if we have a valid confession, but the punishment may remain. And remember, to get to heaven, we are that bride. We are the spotless bride, or we are to be the spotless bride. Problem is, many of us are not spotless. On our soul, we have stain of sin and maybe punishment. So when we are the bride at this Mass, and you come forward, as you've heard me say, as the bride, and Jesus is waiting for you at the altar as your groom, he's going to enter into you to consume just like that beautiful woman yesterday. And so Jesus enters into us, and, and it's consummated. The thing is, is in order for that to be happening, the bride has to be spotless. And those two stains can be on our wedding garment of our soul, sin and punishment. And what do we need to do? Wipe them clean. And so Jesus gives us the way through Divine Mercy Sunday. You know, in the image of Divine Mercy, we see it. As Brother Jason will point out on Divine Mercy Sunday, you'll hear him talk about the rays, the pale ray, the cleansing waters of baptism and confession, and the red ray, the blood which represents life to the Jews. So everybody, here's the bottom line. We are in the middle of an incredibly important eight-day octave. It started on Easter Sunday when Jesus opened the door to heaven. For the next seven days are symbolic, because seven is the perfect number of time. Seven is symbolic of our pilgrimage on earth called life. But then on the eighth day, we enter into eternity. And that eight, Father Seraphim always taught, the number eight to the Jews represents eternity. I'd like to finish with this. I received an email this morning, and I just happened to see it, and it was a clip of Father Seraphim teaching why the eighth day is so incredibly important and why God chose Divine Mercy Sunday to be on the eighth day. I'll try to summarize this very quickly, but basically the bottom line is this. Father Seraphim points to there's a document in the church called the Apostolic Constitutions. It's one of the earliest writings that we have, and it actually comes from the Apostles. And in it, Thomas the Apostle says that we need a feast on the eighth day because the eighth day actually completes what we shared on the resurrection. And St. Augustine actually said the days of mercy, these eight days of the octave, are the compendium of the days of mercy. And the greatest of these is the eighth day because it completes and fulfills Easter. Not separate not greater as meaning it's different and greater means it completes and fulfills it. And Father Seraphim, this video must have been sent by the Holy Spirit because Father Seraphim says he spent 40 years trying to answer the question why this day is so great. And he answered it on that video. And on that video, he said, look, we have two perfections, Thomas Aquinas tells us. 
Something in the very fact that it exists has a perfection. The fact that you are a human being, you have a perfection. Now, when something achieves the purpose for which it was created, it has a second and greater perfection. It has now become what it's supposed to be. Like an acorn becomes an oak tree. It has received its second perfection and became what it was created to be. An acorn could exist, but crush it, it doesn't become what it was supposed to be. Us, if we don't make it to heaven, we don't become what we're supposed to be in heaven with God for all eternity. So Father Seraphim says, we are created as humans. All of us are here. We have that first great perfection of humanity. But then when we achieve salvation and union in the beatific vision, we then achieve a greater perfection, which is what we were created to be. So Father Seraphim summarized it like this. On Easter Sunday, Christ opened the door to heaven. That is the opportunity to be saved. Now the next seven days, we walk through our pilgrimage of life, but it is on the eighth day, Divine Mercy Sunday, that we enter into eternity, and then we have the beatific vision, then we are united with God, then we are fulfilling the reason for which we are created, which is the Baltimore Catechism. Why were you created? To know God, love him, and serve him, and be happy with him forever in heaven. You have now fulfilled the reason for which you were created. The Easter Sunday opened the door to heaven. Nothing else happens without Easter Sunday. Nothing else even begins without Easter Sunday. Jesus opened the door on Easter Sunday. But the next seven days were the Jews in the, in, the, in, the, in the desert looking for the promised land. What's the promised land? Heaven. Once we get there on the eighth day, we want to go through the door. And Father Seraphim says, Divine Mercy is going to clean you up so that you can walk through the door. Divine Mercy Sunday is the way through the sacraments that you are cleansed of sin in confession. And then you receive Holy Communion food for the journey. That food for the journey walks you through life. Then you get to your destination. That destination is the eighth day. That destination is union with Christ. That destination is the fulfillment and completion of what he did on Easter Sunday, which is open the door to heaven. That is why Father Seraphim said, Divine Mercy Sunday is the greatest of days. Wow. Stay with us. <laughs> Please stay with us because we're about ready to enter into the next several days of the most incredible grace that we could ever imagine, beyond what we could ever imagine. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org.
Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.